From the Quadesh Family Church, Apostle Joel Obobasa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. It is necessary. It is a necessary part of life in this world. So offenses are something we find in the world, not in any particular home or any particular church or any particular workplace or any particular relationship. The problem is not the church, it's not the pastor, it's not the husband, it's not the wife, it's not the children. The problem is the venue (laughs) where they are doing that church and practicing that marriage, which is in the world. You get it? So thank God that Elon Musk is trying to research how we can go to Mars and so on. And maybe we can buy some apartments over there. And, and finally go and live in some of these places so we can escape offenses. <laughs> Offense-free living. Because I don't know if Mars is part of the world. Is it part of the world? Yeah? It's a new world. World plus. <laughs> World Pro. Okay. (laughs) Because the way it is, you know, and I think that this understanding for me, for me, listening to this and studying this has helped me a lot because it, it makes you calm and it makes you realize that nowhere cool. You know, did I tell you about Nowhere Cool? (laughs) When we got married, at the beginning of our marriage, at the time we lived in London, and then, um, yeah, you'll be there. (laughs) One day, I was upset with my wife. The same one. And so I called my friend, Bishop Richard, you know, and I called him frantically on the phone and I was trying to make my case, you know. Now, as I was speaking, he was just cool (laughs) and he didn't seem to be uh, as moved as... I was, and I kind of felt he was not being very responsive and didn't quite understand my situation, you see. Now, what I didn't know was that at the time I had called, he was having his own thing there. So, as I kept pressing on and kept pressing on, then he said to me, Charlie, 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 nowhere cool, nowhere cool. said, nowhere cool, man. <laughs> yeah. 
You see, it is the deception that somewhere is cool. <laughs> that sends us packing so easily. And sends us off so easily. You know, I agree that there are some extreme situations that people may need to get away from. Especially situations that threaten your life. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't think that God wants us to recklessly uh, endanger ourselves or throw ourselves at very dangerous situations. Especially increasingly dangerous situations. Do you see? However, in most cases, I mean those are the extreme cases. Most of what we experience in our ordinary day-to-day life are not that extreme. They are just things that are difficult to bear. Do you see? They are things that we would rather not have. You see? And especially now, we have a new kind of Christianity that has zero tolerance. <laughs> I mean, zero. I mean, a new way of having the Holy Spirit without that particular fruit called patience and endurance. Do you, do you see? You know, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, let's read Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit means what the Spirit produces in, in us, isn't it? Yeah, so the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, and then what? Joy, and then peace, then what? Long-suffering. Do you see? It's a long word, right? Yes. Long suffering, then gentleness, goodness, faith, isn't it? And then what else is there? Meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Do you get it? Yes. But now, back to 22, it says the fruit of the Spirit, you know, is love, joy, peace, you know. Then it's followed by counsel. <laughs> then gentleness <laughs> you know because we do not want to go through anything we now have a new wave of Christians new breed of Christians who have the Holy Spirit you know without long suffering do you understand yes but you will find out that people who lack long-suffering also will tend to love, lack peace and lack joy and lack love. Do you get it? Because it's all in the same package. They all come from the same person and that is the Holy Spirit. And when you do not have the Holy Spirit, when you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot experience any of them. So the person who insists on not operating in long-suffering will find that love and joy and peace will also elude them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
If you take love, for example, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you will find that love incorporates some of these things already, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Love, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. It says charity. Can you switch the version? Yeah. Change it. Yeah. Change the version. Just use something that, okay, let, wait, wait, wait. Don't change it yet. Let's read charity. Charity means love. You understand? Yes. So, charity suffereth long. That's an attempt to define long suffering. <laughs> do, do you get it? So, you see that there is long suffering in love. So, if you skip long suffering as a fruit of the spirit and choose the love, you will get home to find that you actually packed long suffering with you. <laughs> Even in love. You see, there is no escape. It says, charity suffereth long and is kind. You know, and charity envieth not. Charity vaunted not itself. It's not puffed up. All right, so now you can, you can, um, you can change it. Yes, you can change the version. Okay. It says, love is patient and kind. Right? Love is not jealous, is not boastful, is or proud. Do you have yet another version? Do you have yet another one? Okay. Give us another one. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Then love does not brag. And it's not arrogant, you know. And then what else? Number five. Number five. Love is... Anyway, listen. What I'm saying is that there is no escape. Do you see? There is no escape. So this, this new kind of Christianity that we have which does not want to, you know, suffer any kind of wrong or does not want to, you know, accommodate any type of inconvenience, you know, is not the biblical Christianity. You see, yes, Jesus was telling us that it's impossible but that offenses should come. He wasn't telling us to leave the faith, you see, he was telling us what to expect within the faith. Do you understand? If you continue that verse, it says it does not act unbecoming, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Do you see? Yeah. I wonder if this is what if this is what love is, whether we really want to fall in love. Do you see? Because honestly, to fall into something and find out that this is all it has in it also, I think is a double inconvenience. You see, it does not seek its own, it, does not, it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Then what is in verse 6? Verse 6. Verse 6. It does not rejoice in 
unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Do you see? Then in the next verse, verse 7, it bears all things. Huh? <laughs> it bears all things. But how many agree that there are some things that feel unbearable? <laughs> yes, it feels unbearable. But it says love. If there's real love, it bears all things. Isn't it? It believes all things. How many have experienced some unbelievable behavior? <laughs> you see, but love believes all things. And then it hopes all things. You know, and then it endures all things. Do you see it? Yes, it endures all things. And so God has called us to a life of endurance. That is even just by walking in love. If we say we're going to walk in love and walk in the fruit of the spirit. Number one is going to be love. And that itself will have a, a forbearance and an enduring element in it. Amen. Amen. So there's no escape. Tell your neighbor there's no escape. You better get used to offenses. Amen. That is no matter where you are and no matter what you're doing, if it's being done in this world, then woe to you. You know, DJ, I'm already preaching at your wedding. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, I'm already preaching at the wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just play the tape. Do you see? So there will be things to endure. There will be things that will not change. There will be behaviors you're going to live with for the rest of your life. Do you see? Yeah, there will be attitudes you're going to have to deal with. You know, yes. And some of the attitudes, you have to treat them like, like clouds. <laughs> Get an umbrella, let them pass. <laughs> Give off their rain. <laughs> you know, cover yourself with some raincoat or something. And, and, then, and then let it pass and let the sun shine again. <laughs> yes. You get it? Yes. Let the sun shine again. That's, that's the only way, you know, instead of demanding a change. See, when I got married, when I got married, I was a young husband. You know, I used to say things like, this must go. This behavior must go. <laughs> this must go. This behavior is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, change the behavior. But with time, you start to realize that some of the things are as permanent as your as your children. <laughs> They're actually part of the family. <laughs> right. 
So we talked about number one, there will be offenses that will hurt you. Do you get it? There will be things that will hurt you. Amen. Number two, there will be things, offenses that will anger you. There will be things that will make you angry. Like you're really, <laughs> you're grilling <laughs> in anger. Number three, there will be offenses that produce resentment and hatred. Do you get it? Yes. Usually those are not expressed. Do you see? But when you find yourself having to deal with the same thing over and over and over again, and you realize that this is how your life is going to be. You see, then there is the temptation that you begin to harbor resentment. Do you get it? Yes. And the resentment, when it stays with you, you know, it, it ferments into bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it ferments into bitterness. You get it? Then bitterness with time also crystallizes or kicks into hatred. Do you get it? Until you start to hate the same person that you once loved. You know, yeah, and some people genuinely wish the other person was dead. Yeah, they wish the other person was dead, I tell you, <laughs> you know. If they are Christian enough to admit it, <laughs> you get it, because such people feel that, well, I'm a Christian, I cannot get out of this situation, I cannot divorce or whatever, so what is the solution? Yeah, if, you know, they just say... <laughs> May you catch COVID one of these days. <laughs> you see. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. But, you know, so it's, it's a serious thing. And it causes for, you know, all of us to think and to reflect. Because... If you are also the source of that resentment, then the scripture says woe unto you. <laughs> you get it? That you would make somebody so permanently miserable. You get it? Then you also <laughs> are at risk, <laughs> you know, of being hated and, you know, and different things happening, right? So anyway, there will be offenses that will be difficult to forgive and forget. Do you see? There are things that you forgive. You say you have forgiven, but sometimes you see remnants, you know, and traces and things that have been left behind from the original offense, you see. And so you find that every time you see those things, you are reminded of the offense and that it seems to be stirred up again. 
But I believe that as often as it comes up, the same forgiveness must be applied to it in order to be able to deal with it. Amen. Amen. Number five, there will be offenses that will bring problems. Offenses that will bring big issues and big problems, you know. And then number six, there will be offenses that will bring woes. Woes. Okay. Right. So, these are some of the expectations God expects us to have as children of God and as believers who are living in this world. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, one of the things we need to understand, I'm now going on to, you know, chapter 10, that offense is a weapon of Satan. (laughs) Do you get it? That it is a tool in Satan's arsenal which he uses to trap and to get people. You get it? Now, I'm in sharing this, I'm now helping us to lift up our eyes beyond the offender. Do you see? And to see exactly what is happening. Do you get it? Because what happens is that offense has a nature to it, which is that it keeps us so focused on the offender that it blocks your view of the real aim and who is really behind this. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. You miss the real enemy because you are so focused on the source of the offense. And so you don't see um, the enemy who is just waiting to take advantage of the situation who perhaps even set the whole situation up. You get it? Who draws your attention to the wrong part of something? Do you, do you get it? Yes, because many things that are offensive have a good part to it. You see, like somebody went out to get you food and came so late that you were also late to something. You get it? Now, you can just be so obsessed with and focused on the fact that um, they came so late now, you are also late uh, for your appointment, your hairdressing appointment, or your. Um, um, and you miss entirely the fact that somebody went out to get you food. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah. But ideally, if you could remember that, that could help you forgive the lateness. You see, that in any case, they were trying to do some good, they were trying to help me out. They were trying to be a blessing. You know, sometimes you are so offended that you can't see the good. Have you tried to do some good that backfired? (laughs) Yes. You try to do some good and the whole good has brought so much evil and so many problems that then you say to yourself, I will never do this again. You get it? (laughs) But that's not what's supposed to happen. (laughs) This is the last time I will do this. You get it? Yes. You cooked, (laughs) yes, you cooked something that, you know, rather brought a problem. You get it? 
The fact that you cooked didn't matter. The fact that you stood on your feet to cook didn't matter. The fact that um, you went out to get the ingredients and whatnot, you know, and the fact that you were having a backache as you were standing there, those are all internal conditions that are not announced. And you can't believe that with all of that, you just get met with something else. You see, yeah. <laughs> you see, so my point is that the, you, you, the, the enemy is able to hide by keeping you focused on the source that he is often not included in who is to blame for what we are experiencing. Are you getting it? Is, is, is that helpful to someone? Right? So I'm saying 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of, in the presence of what? Christ. Amen. And it says in the next verse, lest I should, it says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Hallelujah. Now, this second verse, verse 11, I think is one that we are familiar with. That lest Satan should get an advantage over us. Yes. But I realized that I have never connected it to the verse before. <laughs> do, do you get it? That when the Bible is talking about Satan getting an advantage over us, you know, it's directly linked to forgiveness or unforgiveness. Do you get it? He says, let's, let's read it again. Let's read 10 and 11. Verse 10. He says, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it. I know it's... it's, 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 it's uh, <laughs> This is why we, maybe we should have afternoon services. By that time, our tongues are a little warm. And <laughs> we can speak all this English. But listen, look at it carefully. Which, which version did you have before? Yes, let's read that. That, that, that explained it very easily. Okay, but this is nicely poetic. <laughs> right? So let's read this one more time and then we'll go back to NASB. Okay? Right, so bring bring back the King James. You need to learn how to understand King James English. Listen, it says, "To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive I it in the person of Christ." 
Do you like it? I think it's a nice one. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. That means if you forgive anybody, I forgive the person also. For if I forgive anything, that's anything I have forgiven, right? The person I forgave it, I did it for your sake. It's because you forgave the person that I forgave him. Does it make sense? Easy. Easy King James. Right? So now let's read NASB. You see, he says, can we read NASB please? Okay. He says, but one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Does it make sense? Good. Then the next verse. He's now giving us the reason why he did that. He says, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. Do you get it? Which means that one of the schemes of Satan is to get you to harbor unforgiveness. (laughs) Are you getting it? Yes. (laughs) So can you imagine that you've been set up to harbor unforgiveness and you're not even thinking about that. You're just thinking about this person. You get it? Who is the cause of the resentment, the ill feelings, the offense? You know, that's all you're thinking about. It's this person. This is the person. You have no idea and no inkling at all that Satan is after your marriage. Satan is trying to get you out of the church. It doesn't even occur to people that as they walk out of the church, Satan and the demons are saying, come on, keep going, keep going. You know, if Satan could even get you an Uber, (laughs) it would be waiting outside the door. Do you see? Yes, because he wants you out of church. Satan badly wants you out of church. Do you understand? Yes. But people don't believe it. They think it's the pastor who wants you to be in church. Of course, the pastor wants you to be in church because the pastor has a reason why you must be in church. You know, John, we're going to come back to this. John chapter 15 and verse 16. John chapter 15 and verse 16. You have not chosen me. This is Jesus Christ, right? Let's, let's read it. John chapter 15 and verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would what? Remain. Say it again. And that your fruit would what? Remain. Your fruit would remain. So why does the pastor want you to stay in church? Because his assignment is not only to get you to come and visit but that when you come, you will remain. That's That's his job. That's why he calls you. 
That's why he visits you. That's why he comes after you. That's why he wants you to join a basenta. That's why he wants you to join a basonta. That's why he wants you to do something in church. That's why he offers to pick you up to come to church. You know, it's all connected to this. You are supposed to remain because you know what God has to do in your life. It requires remaining for that work to continue in your life. Do you understand? God is not a one-time experience. God is not like some shop you just enter and pick something and go away with the thing. Never have to come back to the shop. No, that's not God. God is a relationship you need. Do you understand? And once that relationship begins, that relationship needs to continue in order for you to benefit from it. Do you, do you get it? Yes. In order for you to benefit from the relationship, you need, it needs continuity. Do you, do, you, do you get it? You know, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Bring Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Are you with me? Yes. Matthew chapter, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Can you see that? Then verse 20. After that, what are you supposed to do? Teaching them to do what? To observe all that I commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you get it? So you see that the assignment is not just go and preach or teach people and baptize them. And once you finish baptizing them, you say bye-bye to them. No. He intends for there to be a continuing relationship. Do you see? So you see that he's saying that you are supposed to be teaching them to observe everything that he has commanded us. That is the essence of a church. That's why we start churches. A church is supposed to be a teaching center. Is supposed to be a gathering of the people who have been won, you know, through the preaching of the gospel. And then that second part of that great commission is to teach them to observe everything God Christ has taught us. So teach them about everything, everything. Any subject that Christ spoke about is supposed to be spoken about in the church. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it's a long-term process. You know, it's a long-term process. It's not something that's supposed to happen for two weeks or three weeks and then it's over. No, it's a relationship that's supposed to be there and that's supposed to continue. And every time we go, so you see Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. You know, this is one of the first Bible verses that I learned as a Christian. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some. 
In other words, some have a habit of forsaking what? The assembling together. Do you understand? As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yeah. Amen. Hebrews 10.25, this is, you know, give us King James of Hebrews 10.25, you know, Hebrews 10.25, King James, it says, not forsaking, yes, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Do you get it? The assembling of ourselves together. Amen. The, everybody say, the assembling of ourselves. The assembling of ourselves together is what we call church. Are you getting it? Yes. And then we have other forms of it. In smaller groups. That's how we get our basentes. That's how we get our basontes. He says, not forsaking those activities as the matter of some is, but exhorting, which means encouraging one another. It means one of the things we get out of church is what? Encouragement. Do you see? Encouraging one another and so much the more. So it means instead of reducing the, 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 the incidences of gatherings, we are supposed to be multiplying it. Amen. As we see the day approaching. So there is a blessing. There is a reason. You know, and when you come to church on a Sunday, you know, you, it's not just a simple, um, you know, Sunday morning um, exercise. Exactly. It's not just we, we gathered, you know. You know, we just gathered together and we saw one another. But rather in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I think I'm showing you some very important things. Do you get it? Yes. And I, 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 I'm taking the opportunity to show you these things. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4. You see, he said, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit, this is Apostle Paul, he's saying that, when the people come together and he says, and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You get it? One of the things we have in the church when we gather is the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 you also see how the scripture says, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Right? Yes. Matthew chapter 18. All right? Reading the right verse. Right? And verse 20, that's right. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Do you see? There am I in the midst of them. 
So you say you are searching for God. You want to encounter God. The easiest way to encounter God is to find a place where two or three are gathered in his name. Do you understand? Yes. To find a place where two or three are gathered in his name. And he says, that's where he, there am I in the midst of them. There am I in the midst of them. There am I in the midst of them where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Hallelujah. So God is in a place. Now this is what Satan doesn't want you to experience. Amen. He doesn't want you to encounter the power of God, you know, that is uh, um, available in a gathering. He doesn't want that to happen. Because it is the power of God, you know, the power of God heals. One day the Bible says that Jesus was having a meeting, you know. Jesus was having a meeting somewhere and um, there were a lot of people gathered there. And then one of the things that the Bible mentions, Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, look at it. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. Today I'm giving you a lot of scriptures. Get it, yeah. yeah. It says, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Now watch that last line. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Can you see that? The power of the Lord was what? Present to heal them. So it was on an ordinary day, a certain day, as he was teaching, you know, and there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, and some were come out of every town in Judea and so on. I mean, it's like we're just having a meeting of some sort, but the power of God was there to heal them. To heal them. Heal them. Healing people is just one of the things the power of God does when it is present in a place. So you may not even realize that what the enemy wants to do is to keep you away from the power of God. Because the power of God, when it is present, it can heal you. And if it heals you, it means a disease that he has saddled you with and which he's hoping will remain in your life to frustrate you and to get you to go down and down, maybe eventually even kill you. He can see that disease potentially being healed. And he doesn't want you in that environment. Even if you're not going to be healed, he just doesn't want you to be in that environment. Now, you see, the power of God was present to heal means that the power of God does many different things. Do you see? And on this occasion, it was there to heal, you know? And the power of God can be here to do so many different things. Are you getting it? Yes. 
But his device, you know, and his scheme is bigger than the offense that you're feeling. We are talking about what will keep you out of the church. You get it? And you see that the offense keeps people out. That's his aim. His aim is to get you to stop going to church. To get you to stop following Christ and stop going to God's presence because the power of God may be there to do something that actually contradicts and intervenes in something he's doing in your life. It's one of his devices. And he said, device. A device is something that you use to accomplish something. Isn't it? Yes. Like your iPad. So the Bible says, Satan has devices. He has iPads. (laughs) You get it? He has devices. And he has one that he uses to accomplish this particular thing. Can I have an amen? Amen. And so if you start to think about offense that way, then you know what you're dealing with. Every time you're offended, you know that you are engaging one of his devices. You get it? That the weapon of Satan seems to have gotten hold of you. That Satan seems to have gotten hold of you. He seems to have had access to you and he seems to have the upper hand because his device, his scheme has worked. Amen. Amen. If Satan wants to attack your marriage, he's going to use one of his devices. Do you get it? He has an iPad that he uses for just scattering families. Yes. And you will see that often, you see, Satan is he's, he's in the business of destroying lives. The Bible calls him the thief who comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is anything Satan ever touched, you know, ended up being stolen, you know, being destroyed, or being dead. Do you understand? Yes. One time, um, 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 my son, Jason, he showed me a website. Was it a website or a YouTube channel where some guy was interviewing people and he was interviewing broken people, you know, drug dealers, uh, prostitutes, um, you know, people who have, you know, broken lives and are really struggling, you know, and so we were just watching, you know, one episode after the other, just, just, you know, short, short interviews. But as we heard the people tell their story, you know, he was telling me, he, Jason told me that, look, what I found in common for, to all of them was that it begins with a broken home. Yeah. He was telling me it starts with that. He said, it seems that for every single one of the things, you add the, the story starts and then the person will ask them, they should tell them about the childhood, then they go straight for it, the juggler, and they say that 
my parents got divorced at this time or my parents never got married or something like that. And then everything starts from there. <laughs> you, do you understand? Yes. So to have access to more people and to have access to more broken lives because it's broken lives that break lives. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, it's broken lives that destroy other people's lives. So you see that to get his work, I mean, to, he starts his recruitment very early. As people are born, he can just see these are all young people I can have. That's the same way we see all these little children and we think, oh, these are young people that can be raised to serve Christ. He's also looking at all of them from nursery school. And he can see from kindergarten that all of these people, you know, if we can get this person to, to, to come from a broken home, it will twist him or her in a certain way that will make them maybe easier to manipulate later. It may give them a handle you can hold one day in the future. Are you getting it? Oh, yeah. So sometimes when the offenses come and the situations come, let's say in a marital situation, you know, few people actually think far enough to realize that this is beyond me and this person. Yeah. You know, it's beyond this person and I. It is going, it's going all the way to affect our little children, to affect our grown children, you know, even to, to, to purchase or destroy their own relationships in advance. Yeah, because a lot of people behave in their marriages the way they saw their parents behave. You get it? So what he's doing now is going to sow a seed. You get it? It's, it's buy one, get two free. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Or if it's not even free, at least it will be discounted because what it means is it will be easier. <laughs> yes. If you succeed with the first generation, it's a little easier with the next generation. So you get the next generation for a discount. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at the scripture. He said that I forgave the person for your sakes lest Satan should get an advantage. And an advantage is a start. It means we are, we, we are not starting fairly. Do you understand? That because of the offense, he's a little ahead. Because you're ahead, Satan is a little ahead. Do you, do, do you get it? Yes, he's a little ahead of the game and he's likely to win because of that advantage. Amen. Amen. That is why we need to be careful with offenses. We need to be careful because offenses have a long way to go if we allow them. Do you understand? And the answer is forgiveness. Hallelujah. The answer is forgiveness. You know, God wants us you know, God wants us to watch out for this particular tool that the enemy uses, right? 
You know, there's a little story here I'd like to read to you. It says, I once read a story about Satan's plans to destroy some Christians. In the story, Satan was getting rid of some outdated items, <laughs> gadgets, and equipment. He organized a sale of many items in his arsenal, like a garage sale, like what these people did recently, you know. And then, indeed, Satan wanted to raise some funds to finance his campaign. <laughs> the equipment on sale were things like alcoholism, drugs, or drug addiction, depravities, incest, witchcraft, and lying. However, there were two items which were not on sale at all. Offense and fornication. <laughs> so someone asked Satan, why was he not selling those two items? Satan answered that those two gadgets were his best items. He always had a 100% success rate when he used them. Offense and fornication. No matter how outdated and frivolous they seemed, they always worked. And Satan explained that these pieces of equipment, you know, that's offense and fornication, were of international quality <laughs> and worked irrespective of country, race, tribe, color, language, or age. That is why the Bible says, woe to the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom they come. So offense is guaranteed to appear in your life at some point in time. It is a successful weapon in Satan's arsenal. Offense works well on those who have survived other attacks. So you see that you may survive other attacks of Satan, but offense is one that gets you. Many times as ministers, you know, Satan attacks us with offense because he knows that's something that can get your heart. Yeah. And ministry is from the heart. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And so he there'll be something Something that can offend you. Even the people you are preaching to. <laughs> yes. That's one of his favorite ones. Yes. Because here are people you are pouring into and they are the ones attacking you and stabbing you and so on. So you get hurt. And then it blocks the ministry to the people and that is it. Because there's nothing we're doing here that Satan is happy with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we need to be careful. Understand that offense is a weapon. A weapon that Satan uses against the church. Churches are scattered because people are offended. People are offended by preaching. People are offended by one another. People are offended by different things in the church. They didn't include me. They included me. <laughs> they didn't tell me. <laughs> they told me. <laughs> you get it? Yes. How to destroy a church? Offense, number one. 
Yes. Leading to gossip. Leading to conversations. You know, I don't like what this person did. I don't like what this person... You know, that's why it's good to understand that there will be offenses. There will be hateful things. And the Bible says it's impossible. When you have an offense to talk about, just tell yourself that it's no news. <laughs> Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, if you can think so for yourself, it will help you greatly. That is not news. That you have, you are offended by something, yet yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. That's what Jesus said, it is impossible. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. There will be something. Rather, it is, we should be worried if nothing has happened to upset you. Because then something is not normal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. There should be offenses. There will be offenses. Not because we want offenses, but because Jesus said there will be offenses. He says it's impossible, but they will come. So if we can't find them, we should rather be looking for them. Are you hearing me? We should set ourselves up such that we are not surprised by anything that offends you. If you're truly a part of the church, something will offend you sooner or later. Amen. Amen. And the tool that God has given us to overcome that scheme, that scheme is to eliminate us from the gathering, from the power of God, from healing. Yes, it means people can be sick just by being taken away from the presence of God. Oh, yes. Yeah, people can be sick just by the presence of God, them being outside or away from the presence of God. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? I pray that God will take us into a place of stamina and endurance against these spiritual attacks. It says, being hurt is one of the greatest spiritual attacks you will ever experience. Yes, being hurt is one of the greatest spiritual attacks that you will ever experience. If we understand it, we must understand that when you are hurt, it's like, it's like a serious condition has been diagnosed. It's like finding out you have cancer. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It's something which, if you don't take seriously, can be fatal. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. If you're hurt in your home, think of it as they have diagnosed your marriage with cancer. If you don't respond to the chemotherapy, which some people don't. As a pastor, I've found out that some people do not respond to chemo, spiritual chemo that is being applied to the marriage. That is, they just don't respond to it. No matter what you say. 
Do you get it? Yes. And it's worse when those people are church leaders. <laughs> yes. Because all the scriptures are disabled. <laughs> all the scriptures become disabled completely. They are all disengaged. All the power in them is removed. Why? Because everything you are sharing with them, they seem to know already. In fact, they are the things they share with other people. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Or at least they think they know it. You see? And so the word of God is, is made of none effect. You get it? One day Jesus was complaining about the uh, Pharisees and he was saying that by your traditions you have made the word of God of none effect. So it means the word of God can be made of none effect. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. Yes. You've, you, can you show us that verse? It's in Matthew chapter 5. It says many such things you do and you have made the word of God to be of none effect. It's like the word of God cannot affect you. Right? Let me, let me help you. Right? Matthew chapter, chapter 15, rather, right? Yeah. And honor not his mother or father. It says, okay, but ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Do you see that a human being can make the word of God of none effect? None effect. So you see that the word is not affecting, you know. One of the things that has helped me, I'll share with you. Okay. One of the things that has helped me is that, you know, somehow the Lord, I don't know, but... I said to myself that the word of God will always win. If, if it is the word, it must win. Do you see? Yes. So there are many things in many situations, no matter how I feel about it, if the word of God, I've tried, I've tried by the grace of God to, to not exalt or elevate my will, my wishes above what the word of God is saying. Do, do, do you get it? And I want to recommend that to you. Yeah. Do you see? Yes. Tell yourself that I know I have a lot of faults. I know I have a lot of problems. But honestly, if the Bible says it, do you get it? Or if someone shows it to me in the Bible, I will yield to the Bible. Yeah. Are you getting it? No matter how hurt I feel, no matter how unwilling I am, if it is the Bible... I will let the Bible win. Tell yourself that. It's a good way to live. It's a good way to live. Let the Bible override your feelings. Do you see? Let the Bible dominate your life. 
Let the Bible, you know, override your natural instincts and natural sentiments. When you are, you are confronted, you, you know, one time I asked uh, the first lady, Sister Mami, um, uh, Sister Adelaide, I asked her, how do you know uh, who is a good person to marry? This is before I got married. I asked her, how do you get a good person to marry? Then, I'm sure you'd like to know, Pastor Charles, too late. (laughs) This is more for Marcus. (laughs) Uh, It's also for this whole role. Okay. Okay. Jeremiah can also benefit from that. Yeah. John Jack, too late, man. <laughs> but she told me, would you like to know? She told me, choose, she said, choose a woman who, when she has to, or when she's faced with what she feels like doing, and what the Bible says she should do. She chooses what the Bible says. People are are writing it. In case there's a second life. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously, says that's that's what she told me. I've, I've, and I think it was from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. One of the signs uh, that is from the Holy Spirit is that I've never forgotten it. Yeah. You know, yes. Things that come from the Holy Spirit, when they hit you, they're permanent. Yeah. yeah. And I've never forgotten that. You get it. But tell yourself. That, you know, I have a lot of faults. And admit that we all have a lot of faults. We all easily get offended. We all easily get hurt. There are things, you know. Yes, and sometimes your temperament, you know. See, your temperament is how you are woven. You get it? If you think of yourself as a fabric, because the Bible actually just describes it, says that we are actually woven by God. Do you, do you understand? Yes. So your temperament is the fibers that have gone into weaving you. Do you get it? Now, just like fabrics, there are some fabrics that catch that easier than others. Exposed to the same thing, you know, you sit in the same place. One of them just gets up and it's like this and it's gone. You don't even see that it's there. Do you get it? But there's other fabric that when the person gets up, you get it? And then there's some fabric that's even worse, which is that as it is going, even things that are not meant for lint and other things that are around, it, they, 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 it just catches all of them. Yes. You get it? But do you see, none of them is really inferior to the other. You get it? Yes. In fact, you even find that sometimes the more, the more, uh, precious the fabric is, it will tend to have that nature. Especially things that are not for everyday wear. Things that are more for 
special way, you find that they are quite delicate also. It's just the way they've been woven. Do you get it? And they're woven that way intentionally. It's not like they don't know that that's what is happening or that's what we're, that they make it that way for a purpose. And the purpose is often related to the purpose for making that particular, uh, uh, um, um, that particular garment. Do you see? And where it's supposed to be worn to. So sometimes people's temperaments make them more easily hurt. Do you get it? But if you are that type of person, you need to recognize that that's how I am. Do you understand? That's how I am. But that's how you are doesn't mean that is a good way to be. Do, Do you see what I'm saying? Because you know what? Those fabrics that catch the dirt, if they catch too much of it, they will still be left at home. Means you will not be one. You will not fulfill your purpose. So even though you have that nature, you know, it doesn't mean that you are supposed to carry on like that. Do you get it? It means you must be cleaned often. (laughs) Do you understand? Yes, you must be cleaned often. It's not a license to hold on to the debt. If you keep holding on to the debt, you will now be left out. Yes, and nobody will choose you. Nobody will choose you. When you go home today, go to your closet and say, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) say own easily offended fabrics. Own up. Yeah. And you see that the ones that don't easily get offended are used more. Yeah, like your jeans. Yes. You get it? Because they are robust. They see the same debt, but they survive and they keep going and they keep going. And so they are sent to more places and they go to places. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Today I promised to take Elpi Michelle shopping after church because her clothes are torn. (laughs) I don't know what Moses is doing. So, as soon as I saw her, I said, Girl, you need help. what I'm saying? Yes. If you are easily offended and admit it, when you admit it, it's the beginning of help for you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. But you've been woven that way for a good reason. God has made you that way. You are sensitive and delicate like that. You are good for something. That's why you've been made like that. You see what I'm saying? But this is the downside of it, which is that you easily catch dirt, even ones that were not meant for you. You go out in the pollen right now, you come back. We were all outside. You come back and we see the pollen on you. Yes, you've turned yellow. Not because anybody threw pollen on you. 
by just walking where everybody else has been walking. So let's know our type. Do you get it? And understand that no matter what, it is a tool of the enemy that he uses to affect us and to get us so that he will have an advantage over us. Sometimes dominates the atmosphere in your home. Dominates your life. Plunge you into depression. Drive away all good people from your life. Yes. Every good person, anybody starts to like you a little bit, in just, you just give them one of your, you know, monotone <laughs> moods that come from being upset, something, you know, and they're just thinking, you know, something. I don't have to be in this. You know, I have my own problems. <laughs> just looking for someone to cheer me up. <laughs> I'm not a tow truck. <laughs> Yeah, can't be towing this behavior behind me all the time. So you go somewhere else, and you see, it makes you even more resentful because that's one more person who has offended you, one more person who has left, one more person until you start to hate everybody. You start to resent everybody because this is how they are. This is how they only come near you. Nobody likes you. Nobody, you know, so many things. But the Holy Spirit, his job is to help us overcome these things. That is why his fruit, his fruit is patience. And his fruit is endurance. Do you see? Yeah. That it, not that it didn't happen. It happened. But you are still okay. You get it? The Holy Spirit turns everybody into genes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And steps us up in our endurance. Makes us more capable. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's bring the service to a close. Look at the time. <laughs> it's fast. <laughs> Yes, we'll continue next week. Hallelujah. Everybody close your eyes, please, and let's pray. Let's pray. Just thank the Lord for today's message and thank Him for speaking to you about you, about your life, about your family, about your home, about your behavior, about your attitude towards gatherings his presence his power the power of God was present to heal at the gathering so many different things we can experience in his presence I want you to pray and say Lord I thank you for speaking to me Satan will not have an advantage over me Yes, Satan will not have an advantage over me in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, listen, do you, do you know that there is bacteria on our skin all the time? Yes. But they are not able to do anything to us because we don't have a wound. But as soon as you have a wound, do you see? That's how the bacteria gets an advantage over you. Do you get it? Because now they can enter and exploit through that opening and they can enter your life and enter your body and now create a problem that you didn't have before and which they couldn't create until the wound came even though they were on your skin do you see our wounds open us up to demons and evil spirits do you understand our heads open us up to spirits that can enter so you see a person can actually have an evil spirit causing bitterness, causing depression and it's always you find people who struggle with certain things in their lives and you trace it to something like the videos I was talking about you see now those people have become prostitutes, they've become pimps they've become drug addicts, drug dealers so many evils but all these evil spirits were able to enter them. They gained an advantage over them because of something that happened to them as they were children. Do, do, do you get it? Yes. And the devil, his, his vision, is, is the Bible calls it a scheme. It's, 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 a, it's a program. Do, do, do you get it? It's, he's not looking for an event. He's looking for, a, he has an elaborate plan. It's a program. This will lead to this, will create this, right? And it will create this, and it will create this, and eventually do this. And if we can get this here, then we can repeat it free for free in the next generation. So sometimes the next, the second generation does not even have to be attacked. They are just like that. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. It happens to the first generation and the second generation is an automatic bonus. Yes. That's why you can point to a family and say everybody there is like this. It started with something that gave the enemy a stronghold and then he has now successfully perpetuated it and continued that situation and now that's all that that family produces and at a point they even think that that's how they, they, they are supposed to be and they think the fault is the other person <laughs> but they don't even know that that's how it is and so you see certain things going down the line it happened to the grandmother happened to the mother is happening to the daughter and now it's just going on and on and on and on. Are you understanding me? We need to pray against that kind of thing. Amen. We need to pray and ask God to deliver us from any behavior and any opening and any advantage that Satan has over us, especially through offense. 
Amen. Decide that, you know, the word of God will always win. Decide that I will believe the word. I will choose the word. I will go with the word. I will not follow the person who has hurt me. If you follow the person who has hurt you, Satan is keeping your headlamps low on the street. You can't see far. But if you were to turn on your high beams, you will see that he's standing there. He has a different plan altogether for you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to ruin your life and destroy you completely and get your children, your sons and your daughters as a free bonus. Let's pray. Just pray. Everybody pray and just begin to bind the works of the devil in your life in the name of Jesus. Bind the works of the enemy in your life in the name of Jesus. Everybody pray and just bind the works of the enemy in your life and say, Satan, get out of my life, get out of my family, get out of my home, get out of my work life. Get out of my church in the name of Jesus. I will not be offended. Any advantage that you have, any advantage that you have, I turn it into a disadvantage. May it become a disadvantage in the name of Jesus. May it become a disadvantage in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Namorosh, and the Babam. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Cleanse our hearts from every offense in the name of Jesus. Clean us out, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, cleanse us. Yes. Clean us, O oh God, and let anything that has hurt us, anything that has stayed with us, Lord, let those things lose their hold. Yes, things that were done to us, people who disappointed us, people who let us down, people who hurt us deeply, wounds we have never been able to overcome, things that have remained and etched themselves in our memories, which we can't seem to get away from. Today we surrender all and we choose to yield to your word. Yes. Let that hold be broken in the name of Jesus. That hold that the enemy has that continues to become an advantage for him. Let today be the end of any advantage that Satan has continued to have in our lives. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We cancel that advantage in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here this afternoon or you know in your hearts that you're not saved, maybe you're watching us online, but you're not saved, and you know that Jesus is not the Lord of your life, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. So say this prayer with me if you're here like that. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I believe with my heart that you are Lord. And I confess with my mouth that God raised you from the dead. Say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Forgive my sins, Lord. Cleanse me from unrighteousness and make me a child of God. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. Are you blessed today? How many feel God has spoken to you? All right. Let's have communion. Let's have communion. 
and enjoy the cup of blessing. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Does everybody have their communion? All right. Let's let us join the prophet from Flow Church. Amen. Father, we are grateful for the privilege that we have to receive the Holy Communion this morning. Bless everyone who partakes. Let there be healing. This morning I pray especially, Lord, for those that are sick. Those that are in pain. Those that are hurt. Those that are hurting. Let there be healing through the body of Jesus Christ. The body of Jesus. The body of Jesus Christ. Now the cup of blessing. The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? What is the communion of the blood of Christ? The communion is the fellowship or the interaction of the blood of Jesus with you. Washing you, cleansing you, making you worthy. Worthy of God and of his presence. Yes. Is this not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? May the blood of Jesus interact with you. May you be forgiven for your sin, your mistake. The blood of Jesus blood makes of you Jesus. worthy again. Amen. Receive worthiness. Amen. Receive the, the justification. Justify your presence. Justify your inclusion. But it's by the blood. Receive it now. In Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Lift your hands. May the Lord bless you and heal you. Lord make his face to shine upon you and heal you deliver you from evil protect you help you remember you in the name of Jesus the Lord wipe out the past and give you a new beginning yes the Lord caused that your sins and your mistakes yes. will not keep coming up yes. and keep being reminders yes. 
of your mistakes and your faults in the name of Jesus every stormy wave that brings from the bottom of the sea dead, dead man's bones and brings up from the grave things forgotten and things dead and things of the past horrors of our lives we command in the name of Jesus that storm and that stormy wave become in the name of Jesus become yeah. I speak to the storm become Amen. be comforted be rested and be at peace the Lord give you peace the Lord Amen. make his face to shine on you and to bless you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Lord bless you and give you the upper hand in every battle. Yes. In every contention for your life and for your soul. Amen. Receive divine protection for your journeys by car, Amen. by land, by train, by air, by sea. The Lord cover you. The Lord give you divine security and help you. In the event of surprises, yes. in the event of the unexpected, the Lord get your loins and grant you deliverance, divine escapes, and divine help. The Lord be a supernatural involvement in your life and in all that you do. You will not walk as an ordinary man. The Lord calls a supernatural element to be part of all that you do. Supernatural interventions. Supernatural interventions are taking place. In your ministry, may there be a supernatural element. In Jesus' name. May all forms of dryness be taken away. The blessing of the Lord superimpose on your life, superimpose on your ministry, superimpose on your pulpit in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus. Father, we lift our hands and we say thank you. Amen. Thank you for your blessing yes. upon our lives as we go forth yes. from this place in Jesus' Amen. mighty name. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.